Hello everyone, welcome to another Unsound online discussion. Um, tonight's focus is on Poland's LGBTQ plus community and um, within the context of arts and activism um, and we'll be exploring the ways in which club, performative and art practices can help amplify the movement in Poland. And so for those of you who are not aware, um, the discussion comes in the wake of the arrest of one of our panelists, Aftermat, and also many others um, who were peacefully protesting um, the, the detention of the grassroots Stop Sturom and Stop Bullshit um, activist Margot Shutovich, um, who's currently awaiting sen sentencing and for posing with a rainbow flag um, at a religious monument. Um, so Aftermath, perhaps let's start um, the introductions with you. And um, thank you for joining us. Um, so would you mind providing some context um, about Margaret's arrest um, as well as your own? Um, and also perhaps within the wider context of the Polish um, presidential elections recently. Um, mm -hmm. And then um, we'll go on to the other, other panellists um, who are a group of diverse and important voices um, within the LGBTQ plus community in Poland. So over to you. Sure. Um, hi, everyone. Thank you for inviting me, of course. Um, I think I'll just start from the beginning and be quite brief. Um, uh, the whole the whole uh, thing with um, LGBT community being brought to the forefront again started as um, mm, the, the the right wing politicians just started using our community as a political tool in Poland. Uh, we're an easy target, and also we're um, we're very vocal about uh, our rights. So um, it's it's an easy way to start up a very, very strong discussion and uh, to polarize the society. Um, so right before the presidential campaign, um, uh, the president, um, the reigning president, so to say, um, started, started his um, campaign against the LGBT community um, and uh, started being very vocal about um, how we shouldn't have certain rights. And um, this sparked a huge discussion all around Poland. The, the, the community being um, started feeling that, that we were being attacked more than, than usually, uh, which is, of course, like a given at any given day in Poland uh, on any given day. Uh, um, some activists started um, trying to fight back and and uh, started uh, trying to um, get the public space back for our community um, by, for example, hanging rainbow flags in um, prominent places, especially on monuments. Um, this is what Margot and uh, Stobs Durom. Uh, Stop Bullshit Collective uh, were doing. Um, and there's also a second, a second part of this story. Um, there's, there's a very um, strong um, organization in Poland that's called Ordo Juris, um, and they're an ultra-Catholic ultra um, organization that's um, trying to 
uh, tell everybody how the LGBT community is is a great danger to the Polish uh, family and the Polish traditions. Mm, and they've started um, driving these trucks around towns, uh, around sit- bigger cities, especially in Warsaw. That are um, that have banners all over them that spew lies through the speakers about how um, the LGBT community are directly connected to pedophilia and they're trying to teach four-year-olds how to masturbate and um, uh, a load of other things um, that are comparably stupid or even worse. And uh, Stop Zdurom, the Stop Bullshit Collective, uh, actually stopped um, this truck on a numerous occasions. Um, and one one time there was uh, actually some spraying involved and people were cutting the banners on the truck and uh, um, trying to destroy the, the truck so, it, so that it couldn't go any further because it's illegal uh, to drive this truck around town. Um, and supposedly this is why Margot got arrested. Mm. I know I, I, tr- I was trying to keep it brief, but it's like a very complicated matter. matter. Uh, and then um, uh, the news broke that Margot was supposed to be arrested for two months for vandalizing the truck, which is an absolutely out-of-scale reaction from the police and, uh, and the officials. Uh, so this sparked uh, a spontaneous protest next to KPH. Um, this is a, a pro-LGBT organization that's been fighting for our rights. Mm, and and the protest started there and, it, and then it led to one of the main roads in, in Warsaw where... Um, Underneath the monument of Nicholas Copernicus, uh, a rainbow flag was being was hung, uh, was hung from the monument, um, and there was also a peaceful blockade of the car that the Margot was dragged into, uh, and the police started getting very violent, uh, and they started arresting people completely willy nilly and without without a real reason to arrest them, and I was one of the arrested because I was standing next to the monument um, trying to protect it from people who are trying to uh, rip the rainbow flag or light it on fire. Bart, would you like to introduce yourself? Yes, uh, my name is Bart Staszewski. I'm an LGBT activist. Uh, I'm living on a daily basis in Warsaw and I am using this privilege uh, to focus on LGBT rights, to focus on, on things that are happening currently in Poland. And my main project is the LGBT Freedom Project photos, when I'm, when, where I'm going to the LGBT, so-called LGBT free zones uh, with, with my sign, uh, making a picture of, of the name of the city we declare as LGBT free, um, and inviting the people who are living there or which are from there uh, which grow up over there, the, the members of the LGBT community, uh, to stand up and tell the story, how is it to live in the city which don't want you. Uh, this is the photo project I am still continuing. Uh, I want to make around 38 photos. Uh, now I have around 16, something like this. I was interrogated by police because of this project, because uh, there were several politicians which told that it's illegal to hang a, hang a sign 
uh, but still I'm continuing this. I understand this as a political pressure. And this is one of several things that are happening now against the uh, activists. The Margot is, case is one of them. The Atlas of Hate is the second one. The activist was sued by the law, by the order Juris NGO, uh, the right-wing fundamentalistic NGO, NGO. So now activists are currently under the pressure. And Eva, would you mind introducing yourself next? I'm a feminist and queer uh, scholar and activist, and uh, some of my activism uh, started, I realized, uh, already 20 years ago. So the first queer parties in Poland, in Warsaw, I mean, not in Poland, maybe, but the first queer parties uh, that I heard of were actually co-organized uh, by me and other people in, in the year 2000. So that's quite early. So obviously there was a gay scene, a quite closeted gay scene before that, but somehow for the parties to be kind of open for any, you know, gender, sexual whatever was quite a new thing at, at, uh, at that time 20 years ago and the parties were uh, you know they were launched by an anarcho-feminist group that we were composing it was a quite heterogeneous group uh, having all kinds of people with different uh, sexual orientations and genders and the interesting thing was that the first uh, I think uh, drag queens performances that were kind of grassroots and the first feminist hip-hop bands were starting there so the first you know uh, this uh, squad Durdung uh, was created in one of those parties and it was at first in CCA Warsaw in the cafe and then we moved to Aurora to the, uh, the bar that was run by Zbyszek uh, Libera and Mariola Przyjemska in Powiślo district in Warsaw and so I'm reminding of this because I think that it's very important to keep track of the independent cultures. So as I'm a scholar of counterpublics and as I have been doing lots of counterpublics in the activism, uh, political activism, I try to somehow be here as a, as a person to maybe link us also with some independent uh, queer events and queer uh, community sort of organizing, self-organizing, grassroots organizing from the past. Because I believe that for many people, it's the first time they hear about independent queer collectives right now. So what I want to sort of mention is that there is a history of this kind of, you know, uh, party making, political activism, all kinds of things that goes way beyond uh, uh, earlier. And we need to keep track of it because this kind of independent culture gets documented mainly by police and procurers. Yeah? So I want to take the archive away from the hands of the institutions and put it also in our own hands, basically, which is very complicated because it's difficult to spot all those grassroots things, especially if they get into collision with the law. So this is very problematic. So I believe that this meeting and the fact that it's recorded, that it's going to hopefully stay somewhere in the internet, is an important activity, not just for us to exchange and for people who participate in it right now, but also as, as, as a way of making a different narrative, a different archive, a different history of the queer uh, grassroots mobilization. So thank you very much for, for, for being here and doing it and whatever. Thank you. And Mateusz, could you um, introduce yourself finally? Hi, hello. Uh, thank you for the invitation. Um, so my name is Mateusz Szymanówka and um, in the past few years, I've been mostly working as a performing arts curator and dramaturg, mostly within the context of contemporary dance and uh, contemporary performance. Um, and I have to say that curating is a very particular form of activism, if not a bit esoteric. So, of course, I'm also very happy to be here with people that are involved in uh, everyday activism uh, because it's a different kind of work. In the past two years, I was involved in a project that was happening at Ujazdowski Castle, Center for Contemporary Art that Eva just mentioned, called To Be Real. 
where me and my co-curator Mihok Zagozek were trying to inquire into the connection of nightlife and activism. Um, or we can also think about the daylight or daytime activism, nighttime activism. And we're bringing local musicians, local producers and DJ and choreographers, performance makers and visual artists for three-week residencies to research into this emancipatory history of club culture and then to host a party that we treated as, let's say, expanded performative format. The last uh, edition that we organized uh, that took place on the 8th of August, we invited um, among Nilsa Madeus Langa and Sebulets uh, Oramix, which is the queer feminist collective that Kayetan is part of. And so actually his arrest was uh, a very concrete problem or part of the curation. Uh, and at the moment, I'm working for Sophia and Zelle, which is an independent production house in Berlin. Thank you. Well, that kind of leads into my next question, because I wanted um, each of you to say a little bit more about your practice. Um, and Mateusz, I actually attended one of your parties last year, um, last July. Um, from what I hear, this, last, uh, this event you just did, that potentially is your last one at Jostowski Castle. Is that right and you know um could you talk a bit more about the context of the changes going on there with the new um ultra right and um, director and what that might mean for your you know for your events yes actually um that was the last event but this happened according to our plan mm-hmm. from the beginning we wanted to organize three events and one even though it's supposed to be a two-day conference uh there was and there is a um, conservative takeover in, in the institution, but those two things were kind of running parallelly. And for like everyone uh, or like people listening to us at the moment, the, there is a new director at the castle from the 1st of January who is just uh, more connected to the government and the Ministry of Culture. And at the moment, institution, we can say that there are two programs running parallelly. One program is the one that was accepted that the uh, past directors uh, with curators and producers still working at the institution, like to be real, for instance. And then um, new forms of um, gatherings for different kinds of audiences, like a, a concert that just happened on Saturday and uh, that was dedicated to, I think it's called Warsaw Battle in English. Uh, that was organized around like a right-wing musicians, the right-wing bands. But like for our program, since we started with the first residency in April 2019, and that was actually three weeks, I think, after the first LGTB free zone was passed as a resolution. And this became a, like a natural context for the event. And then with the second one, that was the official opening of the anti-fascist year which is an initiative of NGOs, cultural institutions, cultural workers um, against fascist forces, fascist tendencies in the society. Eva can tell more about this. Um, And also the information that there will be a change um, of the director of the institution. And now uh, also the third one that happened just pre-pandemic at the end of February this year. We're discussing the future of clubbing and solidarity, resistance, and then just like having to close claps two weeks later mm-hmm. and the last one which is the grind finale where uh, just uh, you can't curate anything more that it, it just goes beyond anything that you 
can expect and then it really like all of this especially the last two weeks and this even made me think a lot about how can we create spaces of healing also I like spaces where we can actually deal with all this violence and brutal images and like all of this stuff that's like potentially traumatizing and i think also uh i, I took part in the demonstration um on friday last week like the one where the uh, arrests were happening and then like i really i still have this image uh, in my head of uh, all those young activists screaming uh, which you can translate as when the st state doesn't protect me I will protect my sister and this is like this was something deeply moving to me and also something that stayed with me as a um, working question no? like if the state doesn't protect us what are the ways in which we can protect our sister because like we have to also push for agendas that maybe are not priority of government and not only the Polish governments, but like many governments or like European Union, like how can we organize in the community towards those goals and this like kind of mutual aid. And um, after Matt, would you mind picking up here um, and talking about your own practice and also, you know, um, taking part in this pa party that Mateusz talked about? Sure. I'm a part of Oramix, uh, which is a feminist and queer um, collective operating from Poland, but we also have members living uh, in Austria, uh, the Netherlands and France. For three years now, we've been trying to create safer spaces for the LGBT community. Uh, we've been trying to um, uh, give sound, give, give voice to um, women, to femme performers and uh, to uh, LGBT artists in electronic music scene. Uh, and we've also been very um, political in what we do. Uh, I'm also a part of another collective, which is called Cienski Brokat, which translates to heavy glitter. And uh, this is um, a party where we create safer spaces for careers and usually in Warsaw, but also in different clubs and around Poland, uh, which is also something I find very, very um, important in my practice. And yes, as, as, as Ramix, we've been invited by, by um, Mateusz uh, and also Michał Grzegorzek, um, curators from the Center for Contemporary Arts, uh, to, to do this three-week residence. Um, and at first, we were just um, playing with the ideas of, of having like this queer ritual that would undo um, the LGBTQ free zones in Poland, uh, which have been uh, popping up all over the country um, and, and having it be like this huge place where people could come together and they could voice their anger. The events that transpired actually gave us a different space to voice that anger, which was which was in the public space. And, um, and you all know how this ended. Um, so I think this, uh, what, what Mateusz said was very true in the sense that, um, it was supposed to be a healing, uh, place for, for the queer community, the, the, the finale of the, of the residence. And then in the end, ironically, it became a healing place for me as well, because I was, uh, I just had like three hours between in between being discharged from the uh, uh, arrest 
to prepare to 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 go to the to the event uh and i myself felt that immense healing power um of, of that of that event so in t- in terms of um places for healing how has that been changed by the pandemic you know there's you know not as many places open right now and obviously um you know your options of putting on parties in places like the Ulyasdovsky Castle are limited with the changeover of the um directorate um so you know how does that how does the future of that look like then i don't know i think um this is definitely something that we need to talk about all the time and we need to um innovate and and check what works um I'm a firm believer in dialogue and in speaking with people and in cooperation. So um I really would like to and we started doing that during the during the event as well. Uh I would I would like to spark a dialogue between the public and the organizers of of such events to um just work together to keep them safe it's i think there's no really no other way you can't really police people on the dance floor i think you need to make them trust you and then try and you know weave this network of cooperation to 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 keep our events safe mm-hmm. so maybe this is somewhere ever you could pick up and um, cuz i know you've written about the transversality and um, the concept of transversality which emphasizes the variety of fields in which change needs to happen and to bring about more general and popular transformation so um yeah i'm 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 happy to 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 jump in here uh, for several reasons so one of them is that i'm really happy to see how the club scene and music scene and alternative music scenes um have embraced uh, the care um, feminism let's say and care labor and how also the queer potential um, potentialities uh, let's say identities groups and experiences have transformed those scenes it's ama- it's actually really amazing to see how it sort of generalizes how from a very minoritarian experience uh, the scare and efforts to build solidarity embodied solidarity so not just uh, you know declarative or, or discursive uh, solidarity but also a practice of being together in this how this uh, is transforming the, the the scene but as a um, let's say um, uh, inheritor of, uh, of of critical theory tradition i like to also you know sort of impose a certain version of dialogue or criticism towards institutions so for me it is important on one hand to do what you were talking about just now but also to have very precise and very specific tools to criticize what went wrong so for instance with the cca in warsaw the the important part of the concert that has happened uh, last weekend let's let's put it this way it was not very big event i mean the public just didn't go there basically yeah there were several dozens of people in an event that was planned for hundreds or thousands maybe um the in, the the pro- most problematic band that was invited was a fascist band from uh, from hungary hungarica um uh, against which a, a, a whole campaign petition etc has been launched and therefore the cca in warsaw um resigned from their uh, 
from the, withdrew from this invitation and, and cancelled the, the, the performance of this neo-fascist band. So this is what we are dealing with. So on one hand, it's fantastic that there are ways and efforts to produce this kind of very transversal, I would say, sharing of the experience of vulnerability. So you, what you guys are we're talking about, if I may say guys, I'm not sure, but what, what, what the previous speakers were speaking uh, just now was basically proposing a kind of very embodied, very um, uh, uh, concrete strategies for being in this moment of weakness, of, of being under attack, of being aggressively polarized, you know, of being together in this. And this is fantastic. I'm absolutely in it, but as a kind of also the rather dialectically thinking person, I'm also working on, and this is what I've been doing in the last years, I've been writing about those LGBTQ free zones, for instance, which uh, everybody here probably was addressing, but Bart's project was uh, quite uh, important uh, intervention here. So for me, it was important to explicitly say what those zones are doing and how they are an element of a larger project of creating a state of exception, basically, and the sort of proto-fascist um, uh, uh, politics of exclusion, of creating an enemy who is going to be hated and uh, stripped of their rights, stripped of, uh, of their existence in the end, yes? So this is a very old-fashioned project of Karl Schmidt that has been already used in fascist Germany in 1930s, of which this uh, campaign against the LGBT community here in Poland is now a very central element. So instead of Jews, let's say, or other ethnic minorities, as in Germany at first, we have here a fight with the LGBTQ ideology, as they say, even depriving us from um, a status of, the, of, of, a, of a social subject, yes, or reducing the actual people to some sort of ideology. Yeah? So, so they created a floating signifier, basically the right-wing uh, politicians, they created a sort of floating signifier, making it very difficult to challenge their fascist narrative. Because if we challenge a narrative which contains as its subject a completely non-existent entity, because the, there is no such thing as LGBTQ community, right? So producing a narrative which contains at its core a signifier that does not point to any actual <laughs> any actual group or any actual uh, theory even there is no such as i said there is no such thing it makes it very complicated to fight against yes so in this make in this effort of making solidarity we are also uh, having another difficulty so not just the police beating people up or arresting people is the problem but also the kind of uh, how to say, the kind of hybridic, uh, hybridic, transversal, and I would say uh, hologramic character of this uh, um, political discourse and theoretical discourse that lies behind it. Yeah, this is a problem. So we are sort of fighting a moving reflection rather than a specific, um, uh, specific entity. And this is, this is what was making our whole uh, uh, activism, I think, even more complicated. So it's not just, you know, healing the wounded, but it's also hunting after some diabolically uh, inventive uh, LGBTQ ideology notion or concept, yeah, that we have to engage. And this is extremely problematic and it's extremely difficult, I think. Mm -hmm. Bart, would you like to comment here um, with reference to your project? Yeah, I think that to build an identity among community which for a long time didn't seem uh, necessarily 
uh, need for this. It's a very hard thing to do. And there are many people that don't say that I am LGBT, but I'm not a part of LGBT community. And this is what we try to build, to build identity, to build some history, uh, to try to find out this history of LGBT movement is the Lambda Warsaw, which is doing the great job uh, creating the base for the LGBT museum. And uh, in Lublin, we also fight for this history. We have this Maidanek death camp, which we know where, uh, that there was the pink triangle prisoners, and we st try to restore this history for to, to public. And there are different things that we are doing in, in to build this this identity for the movement. And on the other hand, about the LGBT free zones, uh, is this 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 catch of the politicians who try to normalize homophobia creating the uh, boiling frog effect uh, slowly of course telling that they are fighting with ideology that they have big respect to human dignities uh, but on, on the other hand they know what the uh, influence have the homophobia uh, outspoken by the public figures like politicians or the celebrities or others people connected to politicians in public tv which is now the big uh, propaganda tool uh, we have like 30 LGBT NGOs across Poland. Uh, just 10% of the activists are paid for what they're doing. So we will never ever win this fight in, in normal ways uh, with this big propaganda machine we have against us. Uh, we have deep pockets of money uh, with the, the very devoted uh, uh, and politicians to it. Uh, and... Uh, what we right now seen, I used to say that these things that are happening in Poland, uh, we are in the crucial moment, and this momentum is right now. Uh, the LGBT topics will decide about future of Poland, uh, and whether we will go the the the, the side of uh, the the path of the Hungary, and we will share the same story, or we will make the Poland changing slowly uh, to more liberal, to more progressive, and to more open for everybody and uh, where everybody can feel like at home. Uh, this is the problem that my friend, Jacek Denel, I was just speaking with him today and he told me that he has a lot of people asking him how to leave Poland, how to settle down in Germany where he is right now in Berlin. And, I, and this is just, a, that's, a, that's the top of the iceberg. I think that this is the problem, massive problem of a second big migration of LGBT people migrating from Poland in the search, not for the economic for, for the economical reason, but for the search of the dignity, uh, mm -hmm. because people just want to live a simple life, nothing more, nothing less. Nobody wants to be a fighter for whole life. You have just to live once, and you want to live in the peace. And now you, you cannot. Mm -hmm. uh, you are afraid. You we uh, like last days was the uh, another uh, homophobic attack. A uh, friend of mine was beaten. Another one was also beaten. Uh, the things that happened on the, the Krakowski Przedmieście where people were arrested, among them was also uh, Avtomat, Kate and Komski, who is with us. People are arrested just because they stand for one of the LGBT activists in the civil, civil disobedience protest. And this is madness, what is happening right now. Uh, but I think this is a crucial momentum for, mm -hmm. for the future of Poland and for the future of LGBT movement. Mm -hmm. Well, this is something I wanted to ask you about because, um, you know, one of the kind of narrative threads of your film article um, 18 is actually about people leaving Poland and, you know, getting married in the UK and you have a couple, Camila and Bata there and they, you know, they, they leave with their young son. Um, so can you tell us maybe a little bit about that film and, you know, about this issue of people leaving and, and you know, 
I think it's very hard to tell the people to stop that be, and to lie to them that it will be better. No, I don't believe it will be better. It will be hard fight to have it better, and uh, it will be not an easy fight. Of course, I will encourage everybody to stay, but uh, everybody need to judge in their own countries in a, uh, in what they want, in what what they want. Uh, as I thought, not not everybody is a born fighter. Not everybody want to fight for whole life, and. Yes, in my documentary article, it that everybody can watch on the YouTube is with English subtitles. Uh, you can find the stories of the couples which left Poland to live uh, a better life. And there, some of them, the Jacek and Andrzej, they adopted the kids over there. And uh, Kamila B and Bata have, have their own, uh, which they have uh, already in Poland. And this is just a small amount, the smart part of the puzzles of the couples that left Poland for this search. And... I don't have the receipt uh, uh, what to do to change the Poland that people will stay here. And I think that this is the mass migration that is happening now and there's no research about this. I, I think that we'll, we're going to see after some time how many people left. I think that it's horrible because it's the, the lost generation that is leaving Poland right now. And we have nothing to stop them. Uh, we can just say them that I hope that they will have a better life somewhere else. Uh, and nothing more. It's a hard thing uh, because it should never ever happen. And so I don't know if anyone else wants to pick up on, you know, me methods of fostering hope or um, fostering narratives of hope. Um, um, yeah, I think uh, what Bart said is is uh, very important that you can't really make people stay. You can't make people forego their sense of security and, and their like the basic rights but i think what what's most important here is is uh, to work in this grassroots way to talk with people and to encourage them to talk to another mass of people you know like i've been working on this lady um in uh, in this bakery that I go to every day for a year now, and and uh, she has been very you know very anti LGBT, and and she didn't really want to talk about it, and and right now after a year she sees me as a person, you know, so it's of course it's a really hard fight as as you said, Bart, but. Um, I think it's one worth fighting for because this is my country. I don't want to leave my country, you know? Uh, so, so I think the protests were also sparked by this um, on some level that, um, the, that the officials are trying to take away our space and like push us out of the public space again. Uh, and, and this is something that really angers people and, and pushes them to actually overcome their laziness and their, their fear. Like I was standing next to this monument and I was like, my legs were shaking. I'm not a, I'm not like, a an activist hero slash, um, I don't know. I don't climb fences or anything like that, but I felt this was like the thing that I had to do. And many other people that were there, I'm pretty sure, felt the same. If I, if I may interject here, there is also people who are not uh, directly targeted by, uh, by this uh, political discourse of, of homophobia, who are discovering that there are people living right next to them who are basically targeted and treated with violence and injustice and prejudice, etc. And these people are also super important uh, uh, for, for me as a, it's a moment of awakening, of, of sort of realization that uh, this is actually a problem, that people can get arrested 
arrested for, for nothing, for basically being in a, in a political gathering uh, in the center of Warsaw. Uh, they can be arrested, they can be driven uh, outside of Warsaw to some unknown police stations, you know, being hidden from their lawyers and families for, for hours or sometimes days. That, that this was a, an amount of cruelty that actually has convinced some uh, people. I spoke with my neighbor, for instance, who is not a progressive, you know, politician or activist, and yet for her this was too much. This, this amount of violence was too much, and she spoke with me about all kinds of concerns that she has, not knowing much basically about the LGBT community. We spoke about I don't know children adoption and stuff like this, but her perspective was not like anti. It was basically like I don't know much about it. You know, I don't know how two parents of same gender can you know, uh, live with a child, perhaps it's possible, I see some, you know, so that, that was the kind of discussion, but this amount of violence opened her eyes to the very problem, to the very fact that there is a, perhaps some sort of uh, a politicization of, of a group of people who does not basically deserve it at all at this point, yeah, so, so what I'm trying to say is that there is, and I've been theorizing weak resistance, as you might probably know, so basically all kinds of strategies and positions and, and political strategies of resisting in ways which are not offensive, which are not heroic and this kind of macho, uh, you know, um, uh, heroic strategies, but which are basically efforts to persist, so to stay in Poland, I think now is a very uh, prominent form of weak resistance at this point, so basically trying to, you know, keep the uh, position, yes, stay in this country, not let the, the right wing, the fascist right wing um, take, take over. So, so, so this is something that is also happening, and while obviously I agree with part that we cannot push anybody to leave here or there and people are legitimately frightened of, of staying in Poland. I also kind of uh, uh, find uh, affiliation with this position expressed by uh, Kayetan just now that um, it's also our country and perhaps, you know, so there are also people who are ready to take on some fight and the interesting point is how to make this fight or this resistance uh, effective for everyone and how not to focus only on one strategy, be it the strong one, the weak one, the heroic one, the whatever, but how to proceed in this transversal way, so on all levels of the society, without quarreling, you know, whether we want to, you know, collaborate with institutions or not, or whether we can take alliance with some liberal parties, or, or we just focus on radical politics, or etc., etc. So these kind of questions are also now popping up. Mm -hmm. I think quite a lot, <clears throat> and it would be important for me. And for me, it's important that music events and music festivals take on this topic because I think they allow a platform where people with different political affiliations, with different, I don't know, class positions, you know, uh, different ver visions of this resistance can meet and try to work together. So I think it's, it's kind of, uh, you know, promising and fascinating. If I could maybe add one thing as a person living abroad for 10 years, because I think it's maybe quite important to say that, of course, you just can't leave things behind. And like when I moved to Berlin in 2010, it had a completely different meaning than staying here over the few last years, like uh, after all the selections from the previous years. So I also see myself and like my community here. We also started thinking more strategically about being here, about how do you build networks? How do you build network support? Who can you call if something is happening? Like, in what way can you be present even though you can't be in Warsaw, for example, in person? So I think like this kind of understanding that we can also build international networks, especially against the strategy and the strategy in Poland or in Hungary, like the government strategy is quite simple, is to isolate people, like to make them feel they're alone, to make them feel that no one's going to come and save them. 
So in the sense, I think it's uh, it's quite interesting also how people not living in Poland continue being acting and looking for ways to actually help and be allies. And I maybe wanted to add something to what Eva said exactly about allyship and this political allyship. With this kind of events, I think it's also easier to just claim and tell your friends, you know, like, I'm not going to stop or like, to quit, stop bullshit alone. Like, I need help. And this help needs to be very concrete. And needs to be... So, yeah, I'm also talking to my friends and I'm asking them, like, how can you help? Or how you can you be there in person? Like, do you have money? Can you transfer money? I think it's also about, like, talking about a very concrete... A very concrete activism. And yesterday I went to a release of a zine uh, of Lekan, which is a, a collective here in Berlin that deals a lot with politics and clubs. And it's very interesting that in the zine, the first part they wrote, uh, quoting this famous, uh, we fight together, we dance together, that like now it's not enough to just dance together, to fight together. And I think this is also some, like talking about all those queer spaces disappearing and not being able to go to a club. I think this is something also that we are seeing more and more. Actually, there are so many issues uh, that we can join. Like, there are so many ways to support those issues. And this is something that's, like, for me, at least very present, like, the last few months. What I would like to underline that uh, me, to leave Poland have a lot to do, a lot to do with the privilege. Not everybody can leave Poland and stay, simply leave every, everything behind. Your parents, your family, sometimes they strongly depend about you. And we need to remember about this. And to build alliances are a very good thing to underline too. I think that we are a minority and we need to have a majority. Uh, without this, it's impossible to change. Of course, not maybe impossible, but very hard. And uh, yes, I think that we, from the very bad things that we have seen, we also have seen last year the, the highest number of Pride Parade across Poland built uh, independently by, no, by people we never seen before I, I, as an activist. Uh, that was the, like, uh, the voice of the heart. Uh, the stronger government is pushing, the stronger community is answering. Is the something that has the same to do with the solidarity movement in the 80s in Poland? And I think that the same is currently do, done by this rainbow solidarity that we are uh, waking, out, uh, waking up, uh, building those strong, strong networks, even across Poland and across uh, the world. Uh, trying, I, ha I have contact with a lot of uh, LGBT activists that suddenly recognize that they have this privilege to live in the country where everything is one. And now they want to support the community which they feel part. Sometimes they have these Polish roots. I had the, the, the guy which was the, his parents was Polish. He don't even know Polish language, but now he feels somehow connected after he's seen some of the foreign reportage about the Poland and the LGBT free zones. And he asked me, how can I support you? How can I uh, help you? And this is, to answer this question could be crucial uh, because not, it's not an easy answer and it's not just always uh, about sending him fund, what I think is very important, but not only. It's about creating a pressure about the government, it's about creating a, uh, pressure on the European Union, with, which we are part of uh, voluntarily. Nobody pushed us and uh, told us to do that. So we need to show that, the uh, European Union need to show that they're a union of values and solidarity, not just the union of empty words. Uh, and when your neighbor house is burning, so the statements are not enough. Uh, and this is the thing, I think, that the, to push, of course, the politicians to to build those strong networks between allies and with, between the LGBT communities is something very important. Mm -hmm. 
And um, after Matt, maybe you could come in here because obviously you um, are part of Aramex who, you know, um, released the Total Solidarity compilation, which was all about amplifying these issues and raising money. Do you think this is the most effective way to um, reach, you know, a wider range of people, people abroad, you know? Um, mm-hmm. It's definitely one of the ways. It's definitely not the only way or like the most effective way. Um this is what we do in Aramics. We're, we're musicians, uh, we're DJs, we're promoters, organizers. Um, so, so this is how we perceived that the help that we could get. Um, and also, I think it was very much rooted in this uh, um, in this idea that we need help from people who create um, opinions, both in the internet and in young people. Uh, we've had um, over 120 tracks on this compilation and some of them were by uh, musicians and artists who are completely unknown or like uh, entry level, uh, so to say. I don't want to like uh, say that about any, anyone, I guess. And then, and then there were some really big names in, in the electronic music scene that have given us uh, a lot of visibility and... Um, I think this is one of the most important things right now to try and find strong allies and allies that have um, a big impact on how people perceive things. Um, so, for example, when we reached out to Daniel Harl or um, to Violet, um, they were they were like completely on board from the first sentence. Uh, and I think we need to find people in the Polish scene, like influencers. I know it's like a dirty word here right now, but um, people who get their words out to thousands and and, and uh, millions of people uh, to actually say without hesitation, you know, I am pro-LGBT. I really am with you guys, you know, and it would mean also a lot for um the community um we we wouldn't feel as alone as we are right now but do you want to pick up here what what do you feel about um you know utilizing influences i think that is the, the thing that we need to explore the different way of activism um that we need to find i i own myself i try to influence people on different uh social media i was Never a user of Twitter, now I am. I was never a user of YouTube uh, as a creator. Now I try to push some things that was never outspoken there. Uh, So I created a YouTube channel and I try to explore different things of of influencing people. And I strongly agree with Kayetan that this is the thing to do, that we need to cooperate with influencers, with big companies too. I know that for some people it will be not accepted to work with big companies uh, uh, or they will tell that this is the pinkwashing, but no, I think that we need allies and they are strong allies and they can help us in this fight. They will not uh, fight for us. I mean, win this war for us. Uh, They can help us and contribute somehow to, to to this fight. And uh, we need all hands on the on the table. We need them, and we need to find and explore those needs. So new new social media, um, uh, and I think that the, we need to underline that the LGBT rights are this minimum of democratic level. Uh, and then when we agree about this, then we can discuss about different options for us. And when we go to 
we can use this wall to lo lobby with some big companies, with politicians, and ask them if they agree about this, that the LGBT rights are human rights and are based for democratic country. So then we can try to push them, try to ask them for help. Uh, and again, the social media can be a big friend of, of us in this, in this fight. Well, moving on from this point, I wanted to kind of talk about, um, you know, um, how to support young activists um, because I know that you know that there's a there's a new generation coming through, and then I think Mateusz, you mentioned when there's no support for these young people, how to come in and how to um, support them yourself. So maybe someone could say something about that. I could uh, speak about this actually as a as a scholar and often also teacher, obviously, uh, but also as somebody who started you know uh, activist position when I was like 15. I was doing the first you know demonstrations and things. So basically. There is some first-hand experience that comes in handy with like being super nice and trying to you know squeeze in at that time the very macho I would say uh, anarchist movement. So this experience of mine was actually quite interesting because on one hand I would create all kinds of alliances and also I was always very caring for trying to figure out whether there are among those old people whom I don't understand halfly because they speak a different language and their experiences are very different from mine. Also, most of them were men, so basically it was also kind of a, a tricky situation. So I was on one hand trying to create uh, alliances, but on the other hand also sometimes trying to kick the asses a little bit, you know, to, to sort of, to try to actually do away with the gatekeepers, as uh, Howard Zinn calls them. So basically those people who somehow sit at the entrance point you know, to, to cultural positions, visibility, etc., and sort of push them a little bit away, sometimes in quite hardcore way, actually, but that's not something I'm proud of. But actually, you know, it happened several times that I would say to some people, like, make place for either women or younger activists or queer people or whoever. So basically, that's not unknown to me. Although now, after some years of nonviolent communication trainings, I'm, as I said, not very proud of, uh, of <laughs> that brutal strategy. But anyway, so there is, on one hand, there is a whole issue of negotiating the way in. Yeah, so basically, there seems... To, my memory uh, brings back images of me feeling like super shy and absolutely, you know, unworthy the attention of a bigger crowd or something, yeah, and trying nevertheless to sort of find a space. So I'm not sure if this is the experience because I cannot just project, you know, my experience on people who are today sort of entering the, the, the artistic scene, the LGBTQ activism or whatever. But I believe that most of us, regardless of the age, we had this kind of experience of like, enter, you know, doing the first speech or project or publishing the first text or whatever else or playing the first concert or whatever. So we all know it. And basically somehow remembering of this experience in the in the politics of the making of the of whatever events or activism or something is a very handy thing. Just remembering the, the first moment of, 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 you know, shyness and kind of a sense of also difference and different language, different experiences that we're bringing it. On the other hand, from a perspective of somebody who by some people is already called an older person, believe it or not, obviously I'm curious, for instance. Yeah, there are, uh, in last year uh, in the Warsaw University, there was a program for school kids during the strikes of teachers. Yeah, there was a program for school kids if they had no lessons, they could come to the University of Warsaw and listen to some lectures. So I was asked to make one of those lectures. I was speaking about women's rights and feminism, you know, transversal kind of fight for women's rights or something. And then there were, at certain point, transsexuality and transgender issues came in and some of those pupils, you know, age 14, 15, they said, like, listen, you mentioned uh, changing, uh, like, um, 
changing sex or changing gender. And this is not how we speak about it today. You know, we, we, we speak about, uh, you know, according the gender or, you know, they, they used a whole new vocabulary to me. But they were also very, you know, they were apologizing for this intrusion. And I was like, no, 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 this is most welcome. I'm absolutely, you know, I cannot follow all the transitions of the of the of the theoretical and activist discourse obviously so i try to focus on certain parts and maybe also push them uh, forward but there are some which which i cannot follow so it's fantastic that we are in a dialogue now so you're going to speak with me this lecture yeah it's not going to be just me obviously this this is something that you can do if you have 20 years of experience of workshop making etc it's quite easy to kind of you know to 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 embrace the even correcting voices, yeah. So voices which initially are somehow undermining whatever whatever I, I was saying at this point. But I believe that this is the only process how we, how we do those things. So sort of having the ability of being in this together, basically, and doing the and obviously you know speaking and lecturing is an easy thing. You know there is it's easier I think to kind of DJ this form of this format of of, of presentation with music with art events. It's more complicated. But I think it's also interesting and working on censorship, I learned that, for instance, if an artist only makes a project and then goes somewhere else and does another thing, sort of leaving their project on its own, that's perhaps not the best. So trying to keep with the project and then when there is censorship, for instance, if the artist is in place and actually negotiates, you know, what's at stake with their project, why they made a project in this way and not in another way, what's the controversy, etc., it gives an afterlife to the art project on one hand, but on the other hand, it also makes this project public in a better way, I think, a more interesting way. Because even if the project is attacked brutally, there are sometimes uh, options of actually opening a dialogue and saying, okay, you don't like my project, fine, but let's talk about it. Because mm -hmm. clearly, clearly there is some sort of either misunderstanding, or perhaps you don't know enough of what I wanted to say, or perhaps I don't hear your voice well enough, so I'm not sure what you're talking about, etc. So basically, opening to a, to a dialogue in different versions also of cultural production in general, yes, or artistic production, whatever, science production as well, is, I think, a, a super important point. And obviously, in the neoliberal society, we are so preoccupied with being effective and successful that this kind of intervention, like, for instance, my, uh, those pupils from school, you know, talking to me about how incorrect my uh, narrative about transsexuality was, it could be taken by me as a sort of offense or trying to make me, how to say, um, you know, basically correcting me and showing that I'm not uh, good enough in, in gender uh, uh, vocabulary or something. So I could take it in this way, but I decided not to because precisely this is not a stabilized uh, discourse. We were using different words to depict homosexuality. We were using the word homosexuality some years ago. Now we often don't because there are all kinds of other vocabularies, etc. So this is a living process. So somehow being, but but, you know, being capable to, participating in this participatory way of building culture is very much against everything that this culture of neoliberal capitalism has taught us. So we should be, theoretically, we should be effective, you know, on time, da, da, da. And this kind of interventions obviously make us speak longer or, you know, like in all kinds of ways, it makes our performance less effective. But the problem is now, and I think this is important also for our discussion, whether we want to be productive and effective in the neoliberal way, aimed at, you know, on clock, on time, you know, everything, or whether we want to be effective in making something new, in creating better, you know, conditions for, for, for human beings and other beings to live, etc., etc. So these are the choices. So in fact, the stakes are not only about whether we support LGBT communities or not, but the stakes are much bigger. They are about how we accept the imperatives of neoliberal productivity or whether we decide to negotiate or even reject them in favor of making maybe a more interesting culture. 
who would like to pick up on that new, new ways of creating culture? Maybe I would pick up on something else that uh, Eva said, talking about helping uh, activists, young, young activists. I really think we can help them by not uh, schooling them. And this is something that actually makes me extremely irritated uh, in the past, like observing this discussion around the events in the past two weeks, because definitely this kind of uh, a militant queer activism or this marriage of queer and anarchism is something very new in the Polish queer history and like never had this kind of visibility. And so I understand that there's some kind of like an asshole liberal journalist telling us how to behave. But when I see the same behavior from people from the community, and mostly these are, of course, like white, cis, gays, this is something that, like, I can't stand. And I think, like, rather telling them how to behave, it's better to ask yourself where your activism is and, like, how can you be involved in the fight on your own terms? This is also introducing this, like, generational, um, generational discourse and this tradition. I think, like... Watching those activists, watching those people around 20, also in this demonstration, I actually think they had guts that many people, or like many people from my generation, never had because we were just used to the idea that everything is going to get better somehow. Uh, and I think, like, at least this is like, uh, I was born in a very specific moment, so maybe this is my image. But I think also growing up, or like going through your teenage years, you now thinking about the past five years, actually, with such a crazy, uh, hating language every day. This is also something that makes you radicalize in a different way and then makes you think about different strategies to deal. Not just like, I think like in some part, a big part of our community is schooled to be nice. No, and like, I think it's like enough of this. Yeah. And I also think um, what you said, Eva, before as well, and uh, what you picked up on, Mateusz, there's actually this like thought of oh we're going towards europe you know we're going towards the um the western world but actually for the last five years we've been going backwards and going backwards fast and this is where the um older generation is actually picking up the signals as you as you said eva they're they're seeing young people getting arrested they're seeing Uh, their children getting arrested and they're like, oh, I've seen this before, you know, They, these people have lived through uh, the transformation. Um, my, This is such an irony. My dad was uh, had the same charges in 1982 uh, that I have right now. This is, this is like um, a communist... Uh, legislative thing that's that, that that's being used right now and it's being like appropriated by this government that's uh, trying to make us believe that they're anti-communist you know so i think this is also somehow a way of of opening the eyes of the older generation who have been um kind of living comfortably uh, by now and and they, they're only now seeing that something really wrong is happening If I, if I may, just one thing about charges, because I have those memories from the past as an old person. So uh, one of the charges I got uh, in my life, which I'm really proud of, is for dancing, I'm quoting now from the ac accusation papers, uh, the, for dancing on Platz Bankowe to the music and playing ball, you know, like volleyball. Because we managed to block the circulation on the street with a street party. 
and we had sound systems and music and all this. So then when I was, you know, pressed charges, I, uh, I had to check what were the charges and it was for dancing to the music. So my father didn't have this kind of charges. He had different charges. So there is also, but he also, he, he both my father and my mother, they also, my mother went immediately to a demonstration in Gdańsk, uh, demonstration to, to, to free Margot. Yeah? So, so basically I'm quite lucky in this sense that I have some connection with my parents on the political level now. And uh, they are basically open, they're opening their eyes very quickly, but I I hear, I hear also from very different people that their parents do not have this comprehension. They do follow this, uh, you know, um, uh, political ideology of, of homophobia uh, from the public media, especially. So, so this is also, I think, a huge problem right now that people might f feel rejected from their families even more than normally, precisely because of this homophobic discourse that is being launched today. So the solidarity project is actually super important mm -hmm. again. But um, I don't know if you want to jump in here, but I also wanted to pick up on this point about media and how to utilize media to foster new narratives. Um, I think so. It's it's just a time of of, of working with them. Uh, I used to encourage my female friends to do the same because, as we see, they are not enough exposed in in this debate. And I used to think about this if I forgot. So they used to remind me about those things because I think it's very important. And it's just, I, I, I perceive it as a work, uh, because uh, if we want our narrative everywhere, uh, if we want to put the story on the headlines, you need to dedicate to this work. Uh, sometimes on the very morning, on the next morning, when at one morning I was protesting with the uh, activists against the uh, arresting of uh, Margot, and the second morning I was not even sleeping a lot. Uh, I was speaking to media about what happened. So of course it's 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 the hard thing about this thing that you need to be devoted a lot to these things and. Uh, I used to say to my friend that if you want to, you can speak about the things that are happening in Poland, uh, ask activists around, uh, remembering as much as possible to have different perspective, different focus uh, from different uh, minorities inside of this LGBT, not just the gay white males. Um, so yes, and I, there is no just one recipe how to speak with media. Just you, you get it after you, you, you speak a lot with them. You need to remember about these this key messages you want to say. The activists have this problem that they want to speak a lot about everything and not about the, 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 the most important thing that was just happening and about the emotions. This is the, the important thing. People are enough about speaking that marriage equality is necessary because we need something uh, about when you die or when you are visiting somebody in the hospital or whatever. Uh, those things are not working. You need to speak about emotions and the thing from deep of your heart because you are simply a citizen that are uh, lacking some rights that everybody around you have and uh, that you just want to have a peaceful life with your boyfriend or girlfriend or whatever uh, and nothing more, nothing less. The human stories are always the best. And this is the, why my project with the LGBT Free Zone won so much because I was just uh, showing the simple pe people who are living over there that just want like uh, life in peace and to in dignity. It's nothing more, nothing less. Not too much of, 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 of the philosophy in this background. It's what what says and have this more powerful meaning for the media. Yeah, and also I think there's this um, narrative in the right wing discourse that um, we somehow feel the need to be visible all the time or like to be 
celebrities or something like that. We don't want that. Like this is not why Bart started doing his project. This is not why we started doing, uh, you know, making safe spaces for queers. Uh, if if uh, if our country wasn't as backwards as it is, we wouldn't really have to do this, and we could actually concentrate on when we what we want to do. You know, I would definitely prefer to be sitting all year and making music and going playing gigs instead of uh, doing activism. But you know, I don't have the comfort to do this. And Matos, I mean, talking about the media. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't talk much to the media. I mostly talk to the art media, no? And this is uh, where I like the kind of discourse that I'm dealing with. And yeah, I also think that this is, uh, I mean, talking about institutions and Eva already uh, suggested that it's dirty business. And that I think that it also like talking about using institutions as safe spaces. And um, this is also a possibility to give visibility Uh, one thing like visibility to certain causes, but then also to quite practically help activists or like gain also new kind of audience. Mm-hmm. Uh, and by that, by this, like gain potentially new kind of supporters. So I think in this sense, like we, as Bart mentioned before, like we should also think about activism on every possible level. And this is like coming back to asking yourself what, or like to privilege that Bart mentioned also. What is our privilege? What is what are our possibilities? Like, what are the resources that we are dealing with, and how can we use it in this particular uh, fight or towards a particular goal? I also think that the line between activists and people who are just doing, uh, you know, whatever they need to do to feel comfortable in their everyday lives is very blurry, and. Uh, <laughs> to be honest, each and every one of us is an activist in, in their own right. And we, we, we do things differently. I'm, for example, I'm a person who likes talking and meeting new people, and this is how I work. And, uh, you know, uh, and I'm also an artist and there's other people who work in completely different ways and they, um, attack like the problem from a completely different perspective. And I think all of these, approaches are are viable and and needed especially in light what eva said about having this transverse uh structure to to what we are doing um so i think there's not really like one particular way that that you can uh act just like do what you feel like is right which sounds very like disneyish but hey if i may jump uh, for the media part because That's, uh, there is one thing that I would like to give as a sort of small kind of strategy, which is basically when we speak about people who are uh, against whom charges have been pressed, we have to be extremely specific in describing what happened. So basically, this is the, the one thing that somehow in the narrative about Margot, I think went a bit wrong in terms of media representation, is that, for instance, many people, including myself actually, were repeating this phrase, Margot attacked or damaged a car. And when you say Margot damaged a car, it's, uh, for, for the imagination of somebody who listens to that, it immediately means that she, I don't know, burned it down, destroyed it, you know, made severe um, destruction on the, on the poor car and its owner, perhaps, and da-da-da. 
what happened was that uh, there was the, the plandeca, so the sort of plastic, you know, envelope over the car was uh, was was somehow damaged. Uh, the mirror, the side mirror, was somehow damaged. This is damage that seriously is not very serious. So, uh, and one funny example in 2005, as you might remember, in Warsaw, Lech Kaczyński, the president of Warsaw at the time, banned uh, the queer parade in in June. Yeah, the parade was banned, and and there was a a small action of throwing a pie, of pieing Lech Kaczyński, which was effective. So basically during a gathering of peace party, uh, you know, some, some people came to the, the gathering and there was this one uh, guy who basically, and so what I did by accident, like but intuitively, it wasn't uh, as, a, as a, you know, debuting, beginning PR uh, person for the social movements. I said to the media that uh, Lech Kaczyński was offered a pie. Hmm? <laughs> Remember this wisdom <laughs> was offered. So then media were repeating, actually, that, that Lech Kaczyński was offered a pie. It sounds very different. It sounds very, very different from saying that he threw a pie at somebody. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so, so remember the <laughs> distinction. And whenever, so, so for instance, this is something, and especially in artistic circles, it's somehow easy because people feel free to interpret, you know, so I love artists. Basically, I work with artists a lot and it's, it's a fat- fantastic, you know, cultural work is amazing. But then there are limits to interpretation. Yeah? Let's say that we moved beyond postmodernism. Uh, today, we already know that postmodernism is historical. Yeah? It's not uh, uh, entirely, entirely um, correct as a, as, a, as, a, as a theoretical perspective as a, and as a form of practice. And there are limits to interpretation. So for instance, if somebody made a small damage, let's try to, you know, while speaking to media, let's try to be very specific specific about it. And if we don't know, it's very easy to say we don't know exactly. Yeah? And this is also, you know, this comes also from, uh, so it's not only media experience, but this is also my experience in testifying in police and uh, stations and in uh, other places, where often there are those questions like, what has this person done? What has the if you don't know, you don't know. <laughs> Believe it or not, most people try to answer questions. It's amazing. You know, and it's so easy. You just say, I don't know. I haven't seen it. I was looking that way and the person was over there. I have no idea. So basically, you know, this this is, an, you know, so while I also agree with everybody who was, who was talking before concerning the uh, specificity of media, uh, you know, expressions, but also about different ways of con- convincing and, uh, you know, speaking about queer uh, uh, rights, queer uh, situation, queer lives, etc., there is this one little detail which I find very important is never to produce, sort of never to endanger, you know, the people who are accused of things with more charges. Mm-hmm. Because th- this is, you know, so, so, so when, when we speak about, you know, legal matters or whatever, this is where we have to triple check, uh, five times check, you know, ask a hundred of people about it. It's better always than publishing, you know, an information which might make the situation of somebody who is accused and especially falsely accused very often uh, uh, worse. Yeah? So, so this is the moment when we have to be very, very specific. Otherwise, I think postmodernism is fine, but in this kind of specific legal res- uh, responsibility moments, we can make somebody's uh, situation much worse by being, uh, you know, not careful enough. So, so this is for media and also for artistic, you know, projects. Yeah? Sometimes in artistic projects, artists also don't check exactly, you know, what is the person accused of or whatever. And then there is, and you know, there, there is a beautiful example of uh, spreading human rights knowledge, you know, via music. It's a song by uh, Miles Davis, and I don't remember the title, but in several languages, there is this phrase repeated that you might, you have the right to remain silent. 
yeah, and it's repeated in several languages, including Polish. So it's a beautiful example of how an artist took on, you know, the task of spreading the, 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 the information about the rights that people might have, and also uh, perhaps uh, emphasizing the amount of polit political repression that has been happening in his times. I totally agree about this language that we speak to media, and this is the problem that people speak them, sometimes speak too much, and they don't know the subject they're speaking. Uh, as activists, I usually, when I don't know, I just simply ask them that I don't know the topics, especially about some deep law things. Uh, I can always say that, you, you know, I don't know how it is. I can tell you from deep of my heart how I think about this as non-lawyer, non uh, how it should be in Poland, uh, like this uh, uh, homophobic vans that are going through uh, Warsaw. And this is the thing that the, 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 the right side is very aware that they need to be very careful about the language, especially when they speak about the rainbow families. They have different workshops, inside workshops, how to speak about us, not to give us too much rights and to say us as an, an enemy. They are using these new words as an ideology and stuff. Uh, they, they are learning very fast, but we see that media are doing the homework because now the topics of non-binary the, the topic of uh, transgender uh, things and the other uh, are now headlines in the media, the liberal media, not the niche media. So we see that these things are also changing uh, accordingly to what is happening. And how do you ensure that these nuances of, you know, um, of what's happening, the legal nuances or even just the information, how do you ensure that in foreign media that these um, things are accurately reported? I can just tell you from my experience that foreign media sometimes want a, a very warm and bloody material and we as an activist who are speaking to them need to remember that it's not our uh, case to give them what they want. We need to tell the truth. Uh, and especially about the LGBT free zone, they usually ask, oh, where are those police cars searching for the LGBT people? And you need to calm down them and tell, no, it's not like this. You need to make a good research before and then of course I can tell you and help you. Uh, but this is what I used to sometimes meet with media from somewhere that they don't do correct research and then they usually do good articles, sometimes mixing the the, the family chapter which was made by the order juries and those disgusting statements made by the law and justice politicians because they are, they are different. Of course they are in the same uh, homophobic strategy for uh, excluding LGBT people and LGBT rainbow families. Uh, but you need to know the difference when you write a, an article about it because then all the juries is telling the foreign media don't know about what they are writing because they put everything into one sack. And of course, it's the problematic thing. And then of course, they used to, to tell that activists are spreading fake news. Um, and of course, I am very aware that the uh, media are very, they know the basis what is happening of, in Poland. So what right-wing people are used to say that, oh, you, they all bought the fake news about Poland and they don't know what is happening here. And the same politicians, no, I think that they are very aware about what is happening. Sometimes they don't know the details, but they used to know where to ask about them. They ask me about, they ask about the campaign against, about, uh, the ca campaign against homophobia, different NGOs, and they usually get the very good and long answers. Uh, so yes, this is what I want to say. Mm -hmm. And and on the subject of media again, um, just to maybe finish off that point, um, you know, what are the strategies of fostering narratives of hope for people, one in Poland but also abroad, you know, 
is, is that an important thing? Oh, I, th- I might say uh, to foster hope. Mm-hmm. It's hard because I usually base about bad things. And I sometimes forget to tell about the good things. And it's my boyfriend who used to say, Bart, tell about those pride parades that are happening or this rainbow solidarity or this uh, come out uh, that are happening around Poland that more and more people, even if it's dangerous, they come out, they, they, go, from the clo- they go out from the closet, they simply show on the streets, even in Lublin, which is a very homophobic city for me, as I, as I perceive it. Uh, now we okay. see the young people uh, holding their hands, some no, not very open, but still risking a lot. It's something that I, I would never do, but they are doing this, uh, showing off. It's because the dream of law and justice, when I was speaking with the Andrzej Duda, what he told to me that he was, he had these neighbors, which he never knew that they was gay until some of his friends told him that those neighbors are gay people. And he thought, oh, I never know. I never expected. They are so nice people. And this is the clue. They don't, uh, don't, don't, don't want us to show off. They don't want us. They don't uh, want us to show, create some parade parades. Uh, they don't want us to be visible. Uh, and this is crucial. And they want us to uh, be hiding in closet again. And that I, when I see those young people on the streets uh, organizing themselves, uh, creating parades, creating some LGBT events, uh, as I say, risking a lot, going out from this comfortable zone, uh, it's making me believe that those, those people will make the, the change, they, the, that they are real heroes in this story. Uh, those not uh, privileged ones, which are risking a lot. I think uh, many people, um, including myself in Poland, especially queer people, have uh, somehow made it a point to create this life for themselves, which is as close to normal as possible. Uh, so we've been moving from smaller cities to bigger cities. Uh, we've been trying to find um, areas where uh, we could feel more comfortable ho- holding our partner's hand and everything. And at some point we started getting frightened again. And uh, if you once taste this freedom, and this is also uh, what's what's uh, the matter with the youngest generation. They they know nothing else. They they know the more tolerant version of Poland. And once you take this away from them, this is going to be like the, the the biggest uproar. Um, and and it's the same for us who have been you know fighting forever. Uh, to to make this place a more tolerant place, and we have been succeeding in some ways. Um, and now that we see it all being undone, it's it's uh, a lot more galvanizing, I think. We're talking of galvanizing. I mean, what's the place of history in galvanizing people to um, towards activism, and you know, the history of um, resistance within Polish music scenes. Uh, may I still go on with the hope? Because uh, mm-hmm. I think it's very interesting and very important. I think that there is a tendency of sort of, I mean, there is a human tendency basically to see and to focus more on negative affects and negative emotions than positive ones. It's a very funny exercise that we do in different workshops. When you ask people to name negative affects, they give names of 20, 15, 20 average. When you ask the same but about positive affects, they would give you names of five, maybe. That's a very interesting psychological sort of, you know, shift towards one side. So it's interesting for me how to, on one hand, how to sustain the sense of continuity and uh, possibility, 
Um, me personally, I'm not a very optimistic person. I'm rather pessimist, but I'm also curious in a sense of, let's see, shall we? So basically, you know, everything is, well, whenever everything is going completely down, I have this kind of like, okay, and if I make this, this, and that, what's going to be the reaction? So basically this, you know, it's, but it's a very uh, difficult psychological, uh, you know, mentality, let's say, um, uh, issue somehow. But it gives interesting results sometimes. But there, is, there are people who teach us somehow how to, you know, go on. And one of, one of them is Walter Benjamin and also Rosa Luxemburg. They have this very similar perspective on the oppressed. So they say that, you know, allowing oneself the comfort, this is uh, from Rosa Luxemburg, allowing oneself the comfort of uh, depressed uh, unhappiness, you know, this perspective of already letting go uh, in a negative sense, is a privilege of somebody who can stop you know, fighting for their persistent, etc. So the people who are truly oppressed, they have to get on going and they don't have the time and they don't have also the comfort and privilege of sort of feeling despair and those very negative affects because they have to continue, you know. So basically, if you if you feel tired, look at, I don't know, and somebody who has five kids and has to, you know, make them survive or, or, or a queer person in Poland today or any other person who really gets it every day on, on daily basis. So there is, and Rosa Luxemburg and also myself, I, I'm not talking about not being depressed or not feeling unhappy. This is, you know, it's not about canceling or censoring our effort. It's more about getting to the roots of it, where it comes from, how it's being creative. And also, you know, I believe that the conservative powers in Poland today, authorities and politicians, they are making two states of uh, exception. So one of them is the institutional state of exception. They are transforming the law and institutions in order to make a fascist state, state basically. But there is also the other state of exception, which is, I would call it, affective state of exception. So it's basically presenting every now and then presenting a highly scandalous matter, be it abortion, be it, you know, queer rights, be it the destruction of forests, every topic can be good in this in this aspect, and keeping large parts of the population in extremely um, destructive, disruptive state of emotions, basically. In Poland, every day you wake up to a different protest. This is more or less the life of an opposition, yeah? So, what I'm trying to argue for is a kind of reasonable economy of, of sustainability. We have to, I think each of us has to think of how to moderate this affective state of exception, how to not to allow all these, you know, all this invasive uh, hatred, hate speech, you know, homophobia, economic crisis, all those fears that are coming also with the pandemic and the way the Polish government is managing it. This is a lot of stress. And you cannot, you know, in Polish we have this expression, rabunkowa gospodarka na człowieku. I absolutely have no idea how to translate it into English. So if you have one, please help me with this. But I, I'm, I'm, what I'm trying to, you know, to, to do for myself, but also with the communities I'm part of, is basically trying not to rob ourselves, you know, not to, not to um, overdo the effectivity and stress levels, etc. to try to really, you know, preserve ourselves also emotionally. And I believe this is, this is a, a vision of maybe not hope, but uh, of survival, basically, yeah. that might be useful somehow. I, I completely agree. Um, and I also keep telling all of my friends who are um, fighting for equality, uh, you know, you can't really fight if you're unwell yourself. You really need to take care of yourself as well. Um, if you're depressed and or or um, you start getting sick physically, uh, then you can't fight effectively. So it's always a matter of keeping balance. I always have this, uh, also have this, uh, 
way of like doing things over and over and over again and not even stopping for breakfast or or like to to rest but this is not the not the way to do this we need to take care of ourselves as well i also totally agree with eva and Kayetan, and i think that the world generally wants us to be sad and isolated and like queer sadness is something that's like desired so in this sense i have to say that watching the demonstrations as much as they were devastating and triggering they also were hopeful because people were doing something together and they were protecting each other and i think and i would risk and say that if all of us were not hopeful a bit we wouldn't do all of this work dedicated actually to create spaces that are not exclusionary spaces but are spaces where people can find identification can find community can find play people that can be, be their support group so in the sense i think this question of hope is crucial to any kind of resistance the resistance politics at the moment even if you're an uh, pessimist and mm-hmm. um, bart do you want to you want to comment on on that yeah i think that we need to uh, in this whole story remember about us that we need to carefully think about our countries our um uh, i mean about our conditions and about how we feel in this situation i feel feel that i'm a bit overloaded about what is happening now and my boyfriend too uh if i understand so much all people who 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 live poland because they have just enough of what is happening so to have some space especially when you are uh on all the fronts on 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 this fight we have this propaganda from everywhere uh in tv on the internet uh, you can be target easily easily target for the right right wing media if you are in there wrong place in the wrong time we can remember this documentary in vasia where they used the pictures of the not public person just the simply activists and used them to their propaganda to you and i can understand what happened to them and how uh, how they felt there so it's very hard time and we need to ask each other how how we feel support each other uh even if it's so hard so uh, it's what i also expect from the allies and i i usually get it that they ask me how do you feel how we can help you how we can support you and they used to say bart stop you need some 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 or some rest and i used to say the same to my friends and um, we we're, we're nearing the end now so i wanted to just maybe finish off with talking about the future of activism and and you know the future of these alliances um i don't know who would who would like to say something first on on that subject I think um we're we're starting to do it now right uh I mean this is a very political discussion that's being um fostered by a, a big festival and and a huge media outlet that's like global um so so I think we're heading in the right direction uh and i think we just need to stay strong and 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 keep our wits about us as as everybody has said before it's it's um we can't really succumb to these feelings of oh nothing's going to change ever maybe i'm just like too much of an optimist but uh it makes my job a lot easier <laughs> um eva i believe that um you know um the social movements and social mobilizations they have the dynamic of their own so it's very difficult to 
I mean, recently I was speaking with several people who were discussing strategy, you know, of the of the alliance making, etc. And they were trying to really project it like uh, some architects, you know, just sit on their desks and basically make uh, a building out of out of a drawing only, so without any observation of nature or whatever society living living around, etc. So this kind of old-fashioned, I would say, uh, perspective on how we how we imagine progress without actually considering the contemporary mobilizations is not the strategy I would take. I think we all agree on this and basically um, uh, that's that's quite an obvious thing to say, but still it's important to, to learn with the process. So there is a dynamic, I think, which has recently become very vocal of queer uh, LGBTQ community in Poland that is under in the process of the making. And there are some questions about strategy that cannot be really answered today. Yes, we are just seeing how how this process is leading to certain versions of um, transversality, certain versions of solidarity, of, 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 of self-care, of community care, and all kinds of other things. And I'm quite optimistic about it, to be honest. I mean, what I see is that basically, on one hand, there is a lot of courage, much more than I've seen in the last years, in standing you know, against uh, fascism, against uh, homophobia, against uh, discrimination, etc. There is much more persistence in a sense of, you know, the activists know very well how we should protect ourselves, etc. And they are announcing it very eloquently and very well, much better than 20 years ago, I would say. Yeah? Everybody who goes to a demonstration knows more or less what they should prepare for, etc. This is fantastic uh, uh, work, I think, and, and I'm quite amazed by, by the fact how this kind of networks of solidarity are being created, also in terms of legal help and all kinds of things like this. Obviously, it's existed before, but somehow there is a new, I think, strategy of building that, a very effective one, and I'm very much looking forward to it. So basically, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I can also accept the fact that these mobilizations will, in some part at least, uh, somehow proceed in ways which I disagree with. So, for instance, they will choose, instead instead of transversality, they will choose a certain version of, you know, isolation or something. This can also happen. And to be honest, I don't feel entitled even to reproach that, you know, to say that this is wrong. I'm, I'm, I don't know. I'm, you know, I, and just like speaking strategically about social mobilizations and alliances, I think there is also a, some, a certain need of modesty. Yeah? We can project, you know, social movements until certain point and in a certain context. We cannot predict really what they're going to do, what is the best strategy. This we really don't know, I think. Mm. And Mateusz? I can just agree with everything that Evan Kaidan said and I think we just have to stay hopeful and just do our thing because obviously it's not that we started going to demonstrations and doing activist work last week. So in the sense of course now it's just a question of how how can we do it even better. Okay, and Bart? I just support everybody what everybody told that uh, we need to stay strong, be proud, be furious and fight for our case. I, I would like to have one statement, which is that uh, this conversation, uh, as well as what, what was happening in the last weeks, uh, gave me really a sense of being together, you know, of even if I didn't go to demonstrations in, for all kinds of reasons that I don't want to discuss here, I was really feeling to be, you know, really being together with a lot of other people, also internationally. So the fact that Paul Preciado, for instance, immediately emailed me and some other people saying that he wants to make a, a petition immediately, you know, right after the events, it was really fantastic. So there was also a sense of 
of, 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 of you know, being able to jump in the activism from a very specific, you know, perspective of somebody writing and distributing a petition, uh, uh, but still. And I, be I believe that also there is a, a need for solidarity on this level of sharing those experiences, also of repression. And I think that people should not feel ashamed today of saying that they feel weak, they feel threatened, you know, that there is a lot of uh, violence that goes on against them personally or against other people in their communities. So, you know, so I would say, you know, I'm happy to be together in, in this with so many wonderful people who are, you know, really standing up against things. But also I appreciate all those versions and forms of, 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 of sustainability, solidarity, you know, and, and being together. I believe this is the important, the important part that we have to not allow the political fascism to sort of isolate any of us. I think it's also really um, important that we had people from different, um, that had different perspectives. I found it really uh, educational and, and this is like also our strength, you know, the pluralism. Uh, we can, we can learn from each other. And as long as we, as, as you ever said, um, as, as long as we keep modest and, and keep listening to each other, uh, we're going to learn a lot. Well, thank you very much um, to all the panelists. That was a really illuminating um, and uh, vital talk, I think. So thank you. Um, and hopefully the conversation can continue elsewhere. Thank, thank you. you. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Bye, guys. Bye. Thanks so much.